Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for deciding to spend some time with us here today. Now, the best way to keep up to date with everything related to the show is to join our newsletter, where we also give away some free downloads and inspiration and resources based on the guests that we've had on the show, all of which can be found on our homepage, which is educationonfire.com. Now, today I'm going to be chatting to David Harkin, and David is the founder and CEO of 8 Billion Ideas, which exists to give every student the skills and belief to change the world. 8 Billion Ideas teaches children what they don't learn in school by providing online live experiences and mentoring around the clock. 8 Billion Ideas helps children to lead a more fulfilling life and passion-led career and ultimately change the world. And this is something which is obviously going to be very important for the next generation as we go further into this century. But just before my conversation with David, here's a quick thank you to our sponsor. Scientific SOS, written by Daniel Phelps, is a unique children's adventure for young people aged 8 to 12 and even to adults. It's where science meets adventure. It's not a science book, it's a children's adventure novel which has science in it. Five pupils, each with their own particular gifts, are thrust into a fight for survival and exploration that opens up the beauty and wonder of nature, science and the universe. Scientific SOS inspires children to look at the world with fresh eyes and curious minds. Riddled with riddles and poetry, it uses the power of narrative to help understand concepts deeply and remember facts. Children learn best whenever they are interested in something and enjoying themselves. This book does just that. It offers a new creative vehicle to add to the teaching and learning toolbox and creates a relaxed and enjoyable learning environment, perfect at any time, but especially now. Scientific SOS provides a perfect platform for discussions and encourages children to ask questions. So it's not only ideal for loan reading or as a class book, but perfect for homeschooling too. Scientific SOS can be bought on Amazon, both in Kindle or paperback, or find out more at scientifica.com. That's Scientifica with an X, X-I-E-N-T-I-F-I-C-A, scientifica.com. Hi David, thank you very much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. Hello Mark, thanks for having me, how are you today? Very good. Thank you very much. And I'm really excited about this whole idea of, of passion led because as a professional musician myself, um, my whole career has been built around my passion. And that also comes from the opportunity that came from having that opportunity to experience it in school, which um, is something which I feel is really important about the breadth and understanding of what you can do. So so tell us about 8 Billion Ideas. Tell us about the whole setup that you have there and, and what it's all about. Uh, so I'll give you, I'll try and give you the long story short, uh, short mark uh, in, in no time at all. But um, we were formerly known as 7 Billion Ideas, uh, but eight, we became 8 Billion Ideas at the beginning of, of 2021. Um, so we've worked in education for the last seven years. Uh, we've predominantly been known for our work in teaching entrepreneurship in education, so trying to inspire students around the world to really think big and to dream big about uh, their ideas. And under 7 Billion Ideas, we did it through courses and competitions and workshops and programs in, in about 500 schools all around the world. Uh, when the pandemic hit, we had to, to, to pivot quite quickly and, and, and go into the online space, um, but we've done it in, in a kind of cool and different way uh, and now looking to launch, um, and we'll be launching in a few weeks time, 8billionideas.com, which will be a 24 seven live experience based platform where students will be able to join 
experiences after school, at the weekend, every day of every holiday, which are live. Uh, teaching really three key areas. The first will be entrepreneurship. Secondly, will be careers education. And the third is what we're calling leveling up, which is, is really skills for the future. So it's been a, it's been a, a remarkable journey in, in education. We've thoroughly enjoyed our work and, and the last 12 months have certainly been a, um, a nice roller coaster, I'd say, Mark, <laughs> to, to sum up. Yeah. I can imagine. And and just tell us about that that pivot and, and the whole online change. Is that really been something which you see as a positive in, in terms of, like you say, that sort of 24-7? It's not that you have to be online 24-7. It's just that now there is access to such amazing content everywhere at any given time. And then that kind of, I guess, gives the onus back to the individual to kind of learn from the people that they want to learn with sort of trust and understanding of what, what the future holds for them personally, rather than just getting the knowledge which they're told they need to have. Yeah, and I'll be honest, it was kind of an unexpected pivot for us. I mean, when the pandemic hit in March 2020, um, I remember one morning, which I kind of called Armageddon, where I had about 30 head teachers uh, calling me. You know, we had cancellations, projects being postponed, holiday camps literally being whipped. And I, um, as an entrepreneur who works in education, just did not expect it. Um, I realised at that particular point, you know, yes, we were teaching in education entrepreneurship, but you kind of look at the the bare bones of the business model. We were an events company, which suddenly couldn't run, uh, run, run our events or programs in schools anymore. So after I kind of got over the shock of, of that, it was like, okay, what are the problems that we can solve in education right now and, and how can we do it? So obviously going online and, and, and going online quick was what we did like, like, like everybody did. But what we really concentrated on Mark was, okay, if we're gonna go online, then technically it's like running a show um, so it's a performance. Uh, a child needs to be entertained when they're doing something with uh, with, with our organisation. So we started writing scripts rather than lesson plans. We started playing with like double hosts behind a live experience and the single host. And, and, and that's where we really learn, you know, if you're going to go online, it's got to be it's got to be entertaining, particularly if you're in the extracurriculum space. So, so that was one thing. I think the second thing I've always been fascinated by the fact you know, we expect so much from our schools and children are actually only in school for 15% of their waking hours. So what's happening all of that time when a child is outside school? Of course, they're learning from their friends and their family, but they're also consuming a huge amount of content from their television screens, their devices, uh, YouTube, social media. And, and I've always felt there's been an opportunity in that space to, to really um, teach and educate people in the right way. So I think we're now at a point where there's been a paradigm shift in education as we look forward, both have to live together, the physical and the virtual world. Um, and I also believe we've got to a point where a child can go to two schools now. They can go to their physical school and they can go to a virtual school. And, and we hope to take that space um, as an eight, eight, eight billion ideas. That's exactly where we're working. I think that real what blended is what everyone's talking about at the moment, isn't it? That, like I say, those those two things going hand in hand. Um, and so how do you see that working in terms of the, the cooperation between the physical space and the teachers and everyone working in the school as as opposed to what that virtual thing is for the individual? Is it kind of doing it together but separate or is it still two separate entities, kind of the, the home life taking care of one and the schools taking care of the other? I think we've all got to work together. Um, I, you know, I, I believe all the problems in education could be solved if we, if we all have a little bit more time to think. Um, but we've got to, I think when we look back at 2020, there was some incredible innovation which was happening in schools. Um, problem was it wasn't all being shared across schools. You know, as, a, as, a, as an industry, 
it's it is very bad um, at sharing amazing ideas and, and sharing quickly if you compare it to an industry um, like aviation for example um, everybody benefits when there's a, a safety improvement uh, one particular firm might find it everybody knows about it you know that's that's kind of a, a different extreme but because of the silos which have just been built up over many years nobody's deliberately done it they they have happened it, it is very poor at sharing um, uh, innovation quickly um, so going forward I think both worlds need to live together I think schools have got to you know have done a lot of virtual things well and they need to look at what they've done well and decide what they want to keep but then also be brave about working with and continue to be brave about working with external organizations which can can really help their young people in in their schools so it will be school to school based but I think both have to work together. A, a, a great head said something to me last year, Mark, that we've been in Model A, which is what we used to do. Model B is still this kind of hybrid blended world. And then Model C is what we've all got to get excited about and start designing that now as educationalists. And we've got to look at it about what are the best of both worlds that we want to stick in, in a post-COVID education system. So let's just dive into that a little bit now, because having had many conversations with some amazing educationalists and really passionate ones and ones that want to change the world they often have got stuck when they hit policy when they hit government when they get to the point of this was all here i told them I, some people have even said they asked me to put this together and they still didn't take it on board so how do you see that kind of let, let's assume that there isn't a kind of we're all working together from that political standpoint or from a policy standpoint how do you see that working in the education system changing while there's still some kind of sort of political sort of holdback well we've got to change it right so if you, if you compare so, so my background before starting um seven bill now eight billion ideas was i was working in the tech sector so i'm a passionate educationist but come from uh, from technology I, I used to work for ibm so i but my clients are in so many different spaces so in the finance sector pharmaceutical and it was always fascinating um seeing how innovation was happening in different 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 sectors when you jump into education you everything has got a short-term lens so every every government coming in every new minister of education is trying to make their own little mark in a short space of time it's why i got involved in in the fed which is the foundation of, um, of education development which is trying to set this long-term vision you've got to take politics out of it that's what you've got to do i mean churchill once said you know decisions should be made with a 25 years lens and, and i don't know how many people are making those or have made those decisions in the last 5 10 or 20 years it's always been short-term ism as a phrase so I think the more politics can step away from education, there's enough people to, you know, it's 1.3 million people working in education in the United Kingdom. You know, is someone seriously going to tell me that between that million plus people, we can't solve all the problems in it? The, the reason why the problems can't get solved is, as you've pointed out, Mark, is there's too much policy in place. There's too much potential negative repercussions on how a school might land in the league table. There's too much, there's too many egos involved, not in education, but potentially from, from, from the politics, uh, political side. So we, we've got to kind of try and find a way where we can break free from it and, and do what's right, okay? Um, that, that's what we've got to do. We've got to get politics out of education and, and collectively, as an industry, as a sector, work together, but be brave at listening to people externally. There are a lot of fantastic people outside those 1.3 million people who can give some really great ideas back into the sector from their experiences and, and see how we can kind of mold it together and, and, and move things forward. 
Absolutely. And that's really what this podcast is all about is to sort of share those ideas, share the people that are doing it. And also from a real sort of practical bent of kind of being able to take it back into their school or their organization and say, look, this is actually happening or it's happened somewhere else. It's not that we can't, it's that we may not have come across it before. So can you can you give us an example? Let's take it back to when you were going into schools to deliver it, say, just over a year ago, Um, because there must be some schools or, or rather, let's put it this way, the difference between a school that gets you in and how they practically put that into the school for the benefit of everyone there as opposed to the people saying there are there isn't enough time or we can't fit that into the curriculum this way so there must have been a group of people that said yes we can and this is how we did it and how that looks compared to those that just said oh it's not possible okay so when we started uh, as an organization we had this very simple idea that there were seven billion people on the planet and we wanted to inspire and connect those people with their own ideas so we wanted to go into schools first I found, I think when we stepped back and was like, who were our early adopters? Uh, who were the first schools to kind of embrace it and find a way? I think it was when they realized that we were solving problems for, for, their, uh, for, the, for the young people. So you take entrepreneurship, um, you know, 15% of the working population in the UK are self-employed. Schools are producing more entrepreneurs than any other profession. I think when a head teacher realized that and they kind of realized, okay, we're not actually taking we're doing something in this space. We've always realized entrepreneurship is important, but we're not being strategic here. That's when we were kind of, um, that's when a relationship accelerated. It's, it's whether or not the penny really dropped and it was a big enough of a problem for the, for, for the head teacher or, you know, for that community, those children, those parents. That's when we found, um, you know, mainly the heads that we started to work with sort of jump and work with us a, a little bit quicker. But it, it's, it's, it's this kind of, you know, when you see the, the, the diffusion of innovation, right, uh, the, the theory behind it about how good ideas spread, it normally takes a long time, but you, you kind of have that first little bit, that two, two and a half percent, which are the, 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 the early innovators, those people which are pushing, pushing boundaries, and then you get the early adopters, so that next 20 or 30 percent follow with a big idea. I, I think the, the challenge in education is, is allowing more people to be brave at that entry point. Okay, because to, to, to find big ideas or even good ideas which can roll across a sector, you know, people have got to take a bet. They've got to take a chance on something. It's like when iPads entered education a number of years ago, still not across the whole sector, right, at all. There was a few independent schools which were fortunate enough to have a budget which could give it a go. They didn't know if it was going to work or not, but they were prepared to give it a shot because they could see a benefit to their potential students. Now, because that's proven it all can work, what will naturally happen is over 10 to 15 years, it will become a common device in education because the price point goes down significantly. But that takes a long, 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 long time. It also means at the beginning of the process, you need a few people to take some bets, okay? Um, and I think that's what we need to do. Our head teachers know what needs to happen in their schools, but they need to be given a little bit more room to be fearless, okay? Trial new things. And then what will happen is you'll see innovation spread a little bit quicker. It's about 7 billion ideas, it's probably exactly the same. We resonated with a few percent of head teachers at that particular point. Now, five years on, entrepreneurship in education has been talked about by a lot more and a lot more schools have got um, have got strategies in place, which, which is brilliant. So let's also talk about the Fed. You, you said that, um, yes, it's got a long-term idea and, and where we want to go, but there's sort of immediate things that can happen and be put into place to start to change that. So talk a little bit about that for us. Yes, look, Carl Ward set up Fed about 18 months ago, so it was a pre-COVID organisation, which was just a common consensus amongst 
passionate educationalists, leaders in the sectors outside of it that there is no long-term vision. Nobody can tell us exactly where we're working towards as a, as, as a nation, where do we want education to be in 2030, 2040, 2050. So they, they, they embarked on a process of trying to bring passionate educationists together, people who are opinionated, people who had ideas, it had a track record, maybe didn't have a track record, create discussion. And that's what they've been doing um, since the end of 2019. And it's coming to a conclusion in March this year with their, their festival in a couple of weeks time. All they've wanted to do, Mark, is create a discussion. And then they've got thousands of hours of manuscripts to, to kind of go through and then come up with a collective consensus that this is what this group of people you know, very, very, very diverse background have said should be the long term aim. That's all they're trying to achieve. OK, um, then it's a case of how do we get there? And that's the next phase that they're going into. So they're going to break down the aim and try and categorize it in five or six different areas with a journey of what we're going to do, because I think there's this feeling um, within Fed that we've got that long term aim, which might be 20 years. But, you know, we can't just wait for it. You know, how are we going to get there? You've got two types of change. You've got transformational change. You've got incremental change. The education sector does not need transformational change. Okay, there's a lot of good things. Okay, transformational change is when you rip something up and just start again overnight. You know that isn't going to happen in this sector, and it, and, it, and it shouldn't happen. But incremental change to get to that long-term vision needs to happen. Incremental change needs to be accelerated. So once we have our five or six different areas, we need to push hard every year to get there, so our children in education benefit. As well as those, uh, as well as those ones coming through it in a, in a couple of decades' time. And I guess this is exactly where you you fit into that, having an organisation that can actually show what that is, and in, 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 in certainly with entrepreneurship and all those different all those different ideas, is exactly how it can happen today because you can actually get involved in, and find out more and, and, and sign up as it were. So tell us practically how is um how is eight billion ideas gonna work if someone's thinking, oh right, I'd like to get involved. Just talk us through that vision as it were and, and the actual those practical nuts and bolts of, of what you would uh, what you'd what it would look like and then what you'd aim to achieve from it. Yeah, I'll tell you a bit more about I'll tell you the the, the story behind the scenes of, of, of what what really happens. So when when COVID hit and we, we were looking at the Easter holiday 2020 and we knew children were in lockdown and had absolutely nothing to do. So we wanted to do something which was engaging, which was fun, which was different. So we, we designed a course called Home Hack where we work with students over three days in creating inventions to solve problems in their in their in their homes. And they were literally Mark coming when they got to like the prototype, they were literally finding Lego or plastic or cardboard. They were utilizing whatever was in the house. And the children were really, really enjoying it. We were watching our NPS score, which was the net promoter score. How highly likely is that young child going to go recommend us to, to somebody else? Uh, there was a couple of things which was also happening at the time. You had Joe Wicks doing his PE lessons and getting a million children doing, doing PE. And I was like, there's something about what he's doing that we could really learn from in education. And so that was happening on... Then when we chucked in two hosts instead of one behind the screen, so two, you know, a female and a male... A co-host delivering the same course we literally our our, our MPS score went through the roof and that's when we really realized if you're going to do stuff online um, it needs to have that kind of performance element to it it needs to be script writing rather than being a lesson plan so as the year was going on we were getting even more fascinated by what Joe Wicks had done and we were learning more and more about going online and we were just like we can do this 24 7 we can literally unpick entrepreneurship in a hundred billion different ways because it's not just about coming up with an idea and developing it. There's so many different parts to it as a process. But as a business, we were very 
we were very concerned about what was happening in career education as well, in particular in schools. We, you know, I had this kind of, you know, feeling about most career departments are one or two people, you know, who are trying to place hundreds of students every year on work experience. How useful is that work experience? Is it really relevant in a post-COVID world where we've had industries destroyed, redefined and created in such a short space of time? I want us to go into that space as well. So as the year moved on, we realized actually to, to go build this kind of 24-7 experience-based company. So come April, a child can look at experiences over the weekend, not just one or two, but dozens that they could come on and join or in the holiday or after school. It was obviously going to take a huge amount of capital and, and IP to get to that point. So we needed to raise uh, funding quite quickly to build the platform, to build a content team who could basically write very quickly at a high quality and then tell the world about it. So then we had to go find a private equity uh, firm, which normally they take 12 to 18 months to kind of uh, make a decision about, you know, their kind of investments and where they go. We needed to close a deal within, you know, 10 weeks is what we had to do if we were going to have a shot of being ready. So so we, we went out quite quickly. We were quite bold, but we were, we were so, we just knew around April of this year, we needed to be ready because we knew young people needed this as a learning opportunity, as a way to come and pick up some key skills to, to enjoy themselves in a very different way online. So we, we, we ended up you know, closing one, one of the largest ed tech investments um, so far in 2021 in January this year, which meant we were just full steam ahead for the first, first three months of this year. We had already started the development, we kind of preempted it. But come the 1st of April, you know, children will be able to access these live experiences and really enjoy themselves on, on 8billionideas.com. Fantastic. And, and Hang, just talk us through a little bit about that, the working with the schools and, and, and that, that sort of collaboration idea. Would you see them hopefully having time within school to be able to kind of log on, get an idea, get a feel, give them an insight into what it is and then allow them to explore beyond that? Um, I guess it could work both sides. They could find it out of school. But just sort of how does that sort of work for you in, in ideal terms? Yeah, so we've got two ways of basically engaging directly with, so schools are becoming partners. We've, we've signed up our first uh, 100 schools of partners, which and anybody wants to be a partner, just get, get in contact. But we've got 100 schools which are going to be partners of ours, which are going to promote and, and push out our, our, our messaging and offering uh, a number of times a year, which is, which is brilliant. The second way that we have is that we, from September, schools are going to be able to subscribe and either have a cohort going through or just access our materials. So we're seeing lots of schools really interested in that, that they could teach the extracurriculum in timetable. We could put on live experiences on a particular day at a certain time through our platform to teach something which, which we, can teach, we can teach better. Um, so we are talking to all parts of the sector at the moment, you know, particularly on both fronts, getting schools to become partners, to push it out, particularly before Easter, for example, you know, we're, we're, we've got a 10 day free trial for students to come on and utilize the platform, have a go at it, see if you enjoy it. Um, there's kind of no reason why not to. Um, so we've got partners coming on, but we also know schools are listening to us and going, we want this to be, yes, we want the, the child to come to this school, have 8 billion ideas opportunities outside of school, but how can we work together? Um, and, and that will be school to school. What time have we got? It's always been the traditional problems, Mark. It's like no head teacher has ever said to me, I don't believe in what you're teaching. I don't believe in what you're doing isn't right. You know, the two things which come back is budget has always been a problem in time. Yeah. So it's 
it, that's what we just continue to work with schools about how do we fit around a budget which works for them and how do we get a time you know get into their curriculum time to, to hopefully take away a lot of the problems as well and i think one of the things which has come to light in the last year especially is the fact that when you suddenly need to find content um it was where is it where does it go we need someone that's trusted we need someone that has the quality that we need um and also it's got the depth and, and the breadth that you need in order to immerse yourself in it and i think that's where this kind of situation is just fantastic because what it means is is that you've already got that dialogue going within the schools anyway so everyone feels comfortable that yeah this is something which we know um is going to be supportive and safe and, and all of those things which of course are very important in education but also, like you say, you then get that kind of, I guess, sort of hand-holding idea of the fact that, ah, but actually, yes, you've got to do whatever the, the traditional schooling is in order to make sure that you've crossed all the I's and um, um, crossed all the T's and, and dotted all the I's and all that kind of thing. But we can very easily expand into these really important skills, understanding, knowledge, which we know not only is it needed for every child, but actually it's what they want to be doing. And like I was saying, with that understanding of knowing how you can present that as well, it sounds like you sort of managed to sort of complete that circle in a way which is then just ready to thrive. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're moving away from... I'd say looking at what we did under Seven Bill and reflecting on it, a lot of our work was about inspiring and getting interest in the topic of entrepreneurship and beginning to, to do some of the high level stuff. Um, what I'm really excited about is going in really deep. So you take a traditional school, we might be given a window of opportunity of one day a year, which, which is great. We kind of grasped it, but it, it, it wasn't enough. This, this stuff should be happening on a week to week basis. So I'm, I think last year when we did home hack over the summer we ended up doing it from the uk but into 44 countries around the world and that's when we realized actually we're we're really onto something here but going you know it's not just about having fun at the weekends right we want children to take away skills which are going to really help them in the future you've got 52 percent of gen z students now saying they want to start a business more chances a child will be self-employed than being employed more likely to go down the freelancer route. This thing, the, 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 these are just statistics, right? These, this is true. This isn't rubbish. This is what's going to happen. So the only way that we're going to get a child ready is by doing things slightly differently and teaching them what they need. Take that aside, though. We didn't want to be an entertaining education company. We want to be world-class in what we do. So we were looking at the best of the British curriculum, the IB, the American Chinese, and we decided actually to be create the curriculum agnostic and, and work with high, HPL, high-performance learning, Professor Deborah Ayer there and what they're doing um, uh, as a supporting partner to make sure that our education is underpinned at that level while doing it in a kind of unique and different way. So we should probably just touch on here um, those skills that we're talking about in terms of being an entrepreneur and starting a small business, being freelance. What are some of those key things that you think um, students do need in order to be able to be ready for that kind of thing, which may be... I guess either they don't get in school, which I guess is the obvious thing, but also that maybe they do get in school, but you're able to frame it in a slightly more useful way. I mean, the first thing is belief, right? So you, the, the problem, if you go into entrepreneurship and you ask a teenager, um, what do they think of entrepreneurship? Most of them, they're kind of, they're kind of falling back on Dragon's Den, you know, or they are, or they're thinking of Lord Sugar and the Apprentice. And and therefore, their first impressions of what entrepreneurship is, is completely and utterly wrong. And they do not believe that they can start a business or they do not believe they can have a big idea within a business that they could share. So we've got to start there. We've got to put more proper 
role models in front of, of young people is, is the first thing. The second, we've just got to give them the opportunity to work on their ideas. When a young person comes up with an idea, Mark, two things happen, okay? They share that idea with either a friend or, or maybe an adult, a teacher or uh, a loved one at home. The two things which happen is the first thing is that people try to protect that young person and they tell them why their idea can't happen. And that's protection, okay? That's what happened. It's the kind of human instinct. I'm going to tell you, Mark, you've got this great idea which could change the world, but I'm going to protect you, okay? So I'm going to tell you all the reasons why it can't happen and just stay on track and, and play a safe little life. Go back and study your study your um, uh, for, for, your, for your next set of exams. That's what happens. Second thing which happens is jealousy creeps in. When people share ideas, it doesn't even matter how much they love you or it's a colleague or a friend or someone at school. If it's a really, really good idea, there's a little bit of jealousy that you've come up with a great idea and I haven't. So they go back into that first one and kind of trying to trying to protect you. So what happens is when that happens a lot over somebody's life, particularly as a child, they start getting less curious, they start believing in themselves a little bit less, and by the time they're 18 or 25 or whatever it might be, they're less likely to give one of their ideas a go. Okay, so we've really got to work on the belief bit. Um, is, 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 is number one, I, I think, in answering that question. Number two is we can't squash ideas. When a young child has got an idea, even if it sounds ridiculous, just go with them, see where it goes, okay? As long as they're learning, even if they fail or it doesn't work, they go again, they go again, they go again. I know our, our teenagers in our schools today have got everything they need if they're interested in the world of entrepreneurship or intrapreneurship, right? So entrepreneurs where you act like an entrepreneur but within a public sector, organization or a business it's not just about entrepreneurs it's about it's about getting young people realizing when they've got an idea to create a business or change a school or change a business being brave in articulating it and acting on it that's what we've got to work on and i think it comes back to belief yeah i think that makes makes an awful lot of sense and i think when when you see enough people doing that then it just becomes a natural process doesn't it? it's like well that person's done it or i've seen that or yes i'm going to go for it because i i believe in well, I believe really what I'm what I'm doing and what I'm about. And I think the most important thing about that is the fact that we need that in order for the world to progress. You know, we, we need, if we want an education system that's different, then we need someone coming up with ideas like this to be able to do it. If we want the climate to be different, if we want any sector to be different, it's going to come from someone with those ideas that's then got that belief to be able to push it through. So, you know, it's a real a real culture shift in some way, which I think the world actually needs, and and that must be one of its biggest um, factors. Yeah, so it's young people. So in education, what what you want to do is is is, is like what we said there with the young people is give them the chance and, and build up that belief. But there's there's another piece of work which needs to happen with those people working in education, and I'm not just saying teachers, academic, non-academic, the whole sector. We we need to unleash the entrepreneurs which are currently in it. Um, those people which are coming in and seeing the obvious but don't know how to share the idea. You know, someone who's been in two days and going, why are we doing it like that when we could do it like this? Oh, I've not been here long enough to share it and then they forget about the idea. Or equally, you know, someone who's been in the sector for a long time who's got something groundbreaking but has become a bit of a pessimist that they can't be bothered to share it anymore. We, we, need, to, we need to unlock and unleash the entrepreneurs with, which are in the sector. Okay, if you take 1% of that uh, current um, employee base um, who were just a little bit more braver in 2021 in sharing their ideas no matter the reaction imagine the impact it could have if, if I, I sometimes think to myself Mark when I'm out on a run if I was in charge of 1.3 million people we were all one big team right forget about school v school independent v academy 
what would what would I do? And that's exactly where I'd focus on. You've got all the intelligence you need in one industry. You've got more than enough, but we've got to be more fearless, and we've got to be entrepreneurs in the sector as as well as encouraging students to be entrepreneurs. That's where I'd start. Is how can you get an organisation with over a million people in one sector who are all in education because they're passionate about it? How do you get them a little bit more fearless in twenty twenty one, and then a lot of the problems in education will begin to get solved. I think that's fantastic, and I think any way that we can do that is um, is going to be very beneficial for, for like I say, the people working in it, and also for all those people part of it, whether it's students um, and and those young people yet to even enter it, because the the more positive energy that's in this and the way the changes start, then that's got to be very beneficial for everyone. So just remind us again, where do people go to find out more and where can they, they log on? So visit 8billionideas.com if you are a parent listening and you've got a, a child which you, you're interested about uh, taking part in some of our experience or indeed a school who is listening and, and looking for some exciting partnerships to teach entrepreneurship, career education, some of these skills which are going to be so important. So just just uh, check out 8billionideas.com. But I'd also encourage people that we need to get behind organisations like Fed as well. So if you see Fed um, online, um, you know, follow them or on Twitter. We need to be all joining the same conversation. There's a lot of great pockets of lobbying and movements going on, but I think we can be, we, we can be um, more powerful as, as one. So that, that would be my, my kind of call to action. But I just don't ever underestimate the tiny idea, right? Even the tiny idea in your schools, or if you've got a tiny idea, people always undercall the impact mark about how those tiny ideas can spread. Um, you know, they might go, only save everybody five minutes a day. Okay, five minutes a day times five days a week times X amount of days a year is a big, big benefit, okay? Times the amount of employees. People always overlook the tiny idea. Um, so, yeah, check out 8billionideas.com, check out Fed, and I would just say encourage yourself to, to be a little bit more fearless, you know, wherever you work in the sector this year. Fantastic. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing this and, and sharing your wisdom and, and your understanding and, and also for your passion, which comes which comes across very, very strongly, which is exactly what we need. And we'll have links to Fed and, and all of the things we've spoken about on the show notes. So if you've missed any of that, just go and check that out at educationonfire.com. David, thank you so much. Really pleasure to, to speak to you and, and look forward to a, a follow up, I'm sure, in the, in the near future. Thank you, Mark, for having me. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you to the National Association for Primary Education for their long-term support of the Education on Fire podcast. To get a free e-copy of their professional journal, Primary First, please go to nape.org.uk forward slash journal. That's nape.org.uk forward slash journal. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.